Half the battle is back. It's me, Daniel Levy, your host. We're going to be talking to Ian McCall, Uncle Creepy, for the very first time. He's taking on Neil Siri in the co-main event of UFC Belfast, Ireland. Then I'm joined by Emmanuel Sanchez. In my opinion, this time next year, he's going to be the Bellator featherweight champion. And then I'm joined by my good friend and training partner, Cole Farrell. He's making his pro debut at Valor Fights 38. And I mean, this is a kid with a lot of potential. Reminds me of Dominic Cruz in the training room. And uh, now he's going to put all his experience to the test in that pro debut. And last but not least, I'm joined by the second ever dual weight champion in Georgia, Austin Childers. This is a kid that's only 21 years old. He's seven and three as an amateur. And man, he's wise beyond his years and the future is very bright for Austin Childers. And at the very end of the show, I got a special announcement. But first up, Ian McCall, here we go. Joining me now is one of the pioneers of the flyweight division. I'm talking about Ian McCall. Ian, welcome to Half the Battle, man. Hi, how's it going? It's going amazing, dude. You've been fighting since 2002, officially. What do you think about the evolution of just the sport and the flyweight division? Oh, it's, it's been amazing. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm proud to be a big part of it. And also just, just kind of to see the baby grow. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a full-fledged thing. You know, it's, it's a crazy sport I'm a part of. And it's kind of wild to see it kind of evolve into what it has become. And, you know, it's... It's, a, it's, it's like everyone keeps saying it's the fastest going sport on the planet. Uh, as fighters, we're more evolved than anyone else. We're just better um, because we have to be. We don't weigh 250 pounds and you know, we can't knock each other out with just like, you know, sneezing on each other. Um, so it, we have to evolve a lot faster than everybody else. Um, I think the sport as a whole, especially the women's divisions, um, have have come have have come a really long way, um, which I was the first person to, to to you know push them off their pedestal because they sucked at first, but now they're getting better. Um, I mean, the sport as a whole is, is coming coming full circle, and now they're adding in other things like the karate and all this other stuff. So you, it's it's pretty interesting. I I, I enjoy watching. I don't, I don't watch fighting all that much, but when I do, it's it's exciting. Dude, back when you fought for Amiga, I mean, that's one of the best flyweight fights of all time. Uh, when that happened, did you know that the flyweight division was going to turn into what it is today? Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, uh, Shelby had contacted me and said, you know, you guys put on a show. If you guys put on a show, we'll make your division. We'll make a little tournament for you. So I said, okay. And we did. We went out there and we put on one hell of a show and, and we got it done. You know, that, that was, it was, a, it was a tall order, but we did it. Wow, so literally after the fight, Sean Shelby said, all right, we're going to make a tournament? I didn't know that, man. Well, he, you know, he called me before. I, well, I think, it was, I think it was after the Formiga fight. Um, he had called me, and uh, he actually hit me up on, on social media, and he said, listen, uh, what's your phone number? So, uh, like a little girl, I'm, you know, jumping around in my, my garage and my kitchen, waiting for a phone call. And then he said, you know, if you keep putting on the type of fights you're putting on and you keep being this exciting, then we're going we're gonna to make a division. So, we, you know, we worked our asses off and made it happen. That's incredible, dude. Now, your record says you started in 2012. I mean, excuse me, 2002. I mean, dude, were you a teen back when you started fighting professionally? Oh, yeah. I mean, we were, Next Generation was our team. Um, you know, I started, my brother started fighting professionally when he was 18, so I was 15. And 
you know, it was it was a long time ago. You know, it was something that I'm I'm I look back and I've been doing this for a long time. Wow, that's incredible, dude. So when you first started, I mean, was it? Uh, I mean, could you kick dudes in the face on the ground and stuff like that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Those were there was uh, a lot of different rules. I mean, I remember fighting in Mexico, watching my brother fight in Mexico. And... Uh, it was a lot of fun. Kicking someone in the face when they're on the ground is, and stomping on their head is, uh, it's interesting. Yeah. You know, it's it's not healthy, that's for sure. But um, it it takes a pretty twisted individual to go to a third world country and jump on someone's face for a living. But <laughs> it, it, it was a long time ago. You know, it, that stuff. It, it's just not. It, it's good that stuff's gone. You know, I. I, I Granted, I wouldn't mind going to fight in like a, a pride type style fight again, but it's just because I'm sick, I guess. <laughs> so, I mean, when uh, you started fighting under the unified rules, was it at all a relief? No. Uh, you just, certain rule sets are in effect, and we never knew what was going to happen. You know, I, I, I never had really paid attention to, you know, I, I was a kid when all that stuff happened, so that wasn't. That wasn't the main thing going on in my brain, where you had guys like John McCarthy that were setting the setting the, the foundation for the sport. You know, I was just a child running around, fighting and having fun. You know that, so it, it wasn't. You know, you don't think of that stuff at that age. But I'm happy it changed. You know, dude, back in those days, I mean, would you like weigh in the day of the fight and stuff like that? I mean, what was it like fighting in that era of the sport? Also, I'm gonna pick. No, you, you, you wait in the day before, and you know, weigh-ins were always shady and wrong, and scales were busted, and you're fighting guys that are two or three weight classes above you, and you know, it, it was it was different. It was the wild west. <laughs> yeah. And again, it was I was a young a young man then, so it was it was definitely interesting. Uh, Benavides knocked out Yoshitani uh, first. That was that was a fight directly before us, but uh, you know, being the first night of flyweight fights was cool, and, and I mean, I guess we expected the best, the most for us. I think uh, it would have been a lot more lucrative if I would have been cup champion. <laughs> uh, Demetrius doesn't seem to care about money all that much, um, and he he makes okay money. He doesn't make what he should. He's like begging for a seven-figure payday when he's the best guy on the planet, so it's kind of embarrassing. Um, from that perspective but you know again he he's not that kind of person so it's it's just different but like i said if if and when i become champion again um it'll be much more lucrative you know especially with the new with the new bosses in charge and everything i think there's um there's more avenues to make money you know they 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 define what's cool in the social media world or in the famous world and all that nonsense so it gives us more opportunities to uh to make more money and, and kind of fend for ourselves, you know, kind of become a Ronda Rousey or a Conor McGregor type. Absolutely. Is it still your goal to become the world champion? Of course. If that's not your goal, then you got to go home. You know, I'm not here for anything else. It's, that, my, my division doesn't really have super fights yet. You know, I, would, I wouldn't mind beating Demetrius and then fighting Dominic again. That'd be fun. I mean, not really. It, Dominic is my friend. Uh, and someone I highly appreciate, but he's not Dominic's not really someone you're afraid to fight. You know, he he, uh, you know, he, I always make fun of him because he hits a good girl. Um, but he did punch me like 600 times last time he fought. So 
you know, it, it, that would be a fun super fight, you know, or fight TJ. I don't think, I don't think TJ's never going to get the belt back from, from Dominic. He's too smart. And TJ's, I don't want to say stupid, but he's not, he's not on the same uh, mental level as Dominic. Dominic's in a different realm than most people. What do you think about this kid, Jimmy Rivera, man? Because I'm very high on him in that division. He's like 20 and 1 also. Um, which is, is he the one that just beat up on, uh, Uriah? Yep. Yep. That's him. He's, he's good. Um, you know, I, I, I he's good. You know, he, he's, he, it's, he's a power shot kind of guy. Um, and, and beating Uriah is not that big of a deal. Uriah's old and it's just a matter of time before someone's just picking on him. Um, there's nothing against Uriah, but like I said, he's old and he's still the same fighter he was 10 years ago. So it was only, I'm, I'm surprised it didn't happen sooner. So, dude, when you fought Dominic Cruz, did you know that he was going to turn into, you know, one of the pound for pound grace that he is today? I had no idea. Um, <clears throat> you know, I mean, he, he's, but he's, anybody I've ever fought, you expect to do big things because I've always been at the top of the heat. So it's, it's, I guess it's expected. I mean, Dominic's someone I've, I've learned, you know, learned to appreciate as a, a friend and a, and a fighter for sure because he's so much different than everybody else. And so hardworking um, that and he, he's earned everything he's had. He's, he has. And it's, it's good to see him, him, you know, taking advantage of everything. Man, not only is he really smart, but what's so cool about him is the adversity he overcame, you know, to be out of the sport for three years with the injuries he had and then to come back and reclaim that belt. I mean, that's unheard of, dude. Yeah, exactly. He's he's a different breed, and, and that's, that's good on him. I mean, that's, I, I called it from the beginning that he was going to beat TJ, you know, and everybody else in the division. Uh, I mean, <clears throat> say now what he's fighting, uh, what's his name? Cody. Cody's good. Cody hits hard. Cody's you know well well round mixed martial artist and hits hard, but Dominic's gonna run rough shot over him. You pumped to fight Neil Siri in Ireland last time uh, you fought in the UK. Had a great result against Brad Pickett, and you know with Neil, he's gonna show up to fight. I mean that's the bottom line. He's gonna come fight you. You excited about that? Of course, I get to send Neil off into retirement. Um, you know he he's I've always liked Neil as a person, um, as a fighter. And he'll make the weight. This is his final his final foray into the sport, so it'll happen. And we get co-main, so we have a good chance of getting a bonus. And you know, I, I money is nice. Getting a fifty thousand dollar bonus would be really nice. Especially I just bought a house, so fifty grand extra would be good. Yeah, absolutely. You don't gotta worry about him missing weight or you know acting like he's sick or anything like that. He, like I said, man. He's going to come to fight, but I want to know from your perspective, because with all the, you know, BS that went down with the last two, you know, how do you make sure that you peak right uh, for this third attempt? Yeah, what was that? So, you know, with the with the last two opponents, you know, with all the BS that went down, how do, how do you feel about, you know, peaking right this third time? Oh, um, <clears throat> you know, I, my, my, my training is, is really mellow. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm old. I'm banged up, you know, I got a cold, um, I'm all congested, but it's just, it, it, we'll, we'll get it figured out. We got three more weeks of hard, of hard training to make it peak and to make it happen. So it'll, it'll work, you know, it's, it's, it's a big stress on your body, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's simple. I mean, we just, we, we take, we take our time, we do everything nice and slow and it, it'll come around. Now I hear, uh, my boy, uh, Cheeto Vera has been putting in some work with you. 
yeah. Cheeto has uh, has really turned his whole game around. I mean, he's, it's, it's not that he's ever sucked or anything, but, uh, you know, he was just a wild, like a wild animal when we first got him. Uh, and he... He's refined. We we have refi- helped refine his game, his kickboxing, his jiu-jitsu, his wrestling, uh, so much that uh, he's a he's a, a very 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 different fighter now. It's, it's exciting to see. You know, I'm stoked to call him a friend and a teammate. Dude, he's so awesome, and uh, man, he's always had so much potential. It was just one of those things where you know you know how uh, if you end up the last minute of the round on your back, the judges uh, don't score it for you. It was just that kind of thing. So with slight adjustments, I really think he can go far in that division, man. Yeah, he's a stud. I mean, he he, he dropped me a while back with a with a body kick. I mean, that says a lot. He he's a stud, man. He's a he's a really good fighter, and, and I'm 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 excited to see him perform. Change the idea of everybody what they think of him. Definitely. What are, what are you doing right now, bro? What was that? What are you doing right now, bro? Uh, I just walked into a restaurant. I just drove down with my my girlfriend and her friend and my daughter, and we're gonna eat some food and then uh, have brunch on Sunday. They have a little cheat food. All right, man. So I'll let you go on this, buddy. So you, Neil Siri, UFC Ireland. How's it gonna go down, man? Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, fuck giving the fans what they want. I'm gonna probably ground him and punish him and get it, get it done as soon as possible. Maybe submit him, show him my tenth planet jiu-jitsu off. Um, I don't know. I'm gonna finish it quick. Awesome. Maybe I get this over with and have a good holiday. Hey, that works for me, Ian. Thanks so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now on Half the Battle. It's been a pleasure, bro. And uh, let the audience know anything you want to plug, you know, where to follow you on Twitter, your podcast, anything else. Let us know, man. Yeah, everything is Uncle Creepy MMA on all the social media. Uh, I have a a podcast called Storytime with Uncle Creepy. I also have a radio show called uh, Two American Animals on Dash Radio every Wednesday from uh, 5 to 7 on the Hot Button channel. Check it out. Awesome. Hey, thanks, man. No worries. Thank you. Joining me now is the future featherweight champion, Emmanuel Sanchez. Manny, welcome to Half the Battle, man. Thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it. Big time. Absolutely, man. You got it. And, dude, I mean, you got that Mexican spirit, but you're also a very uh, calculated fighter in there. Tell me about your mindset as a martial artist. You know, a lot of people talk about, you know, the Mexican heart and coming forward and fighting Mexican style and just doesn't care, kind of bite down the mouthpiece kind of fighter. But, you know, I... Yeah, I had the heart, the grit, the determination, and I've had fights on short notice. So a lot of it was, yeah, you just have to go out there and fight, fight with your heart. But for the most part, each and every one of my fights has been, you know, intelligent. You know, it's not like I'm standing right in front of someone taking punishment. Have I gotten hit more than I, you know, wanted to or I'd like to? Yes. Have I, you know, gotten headbutted more than anything? It's the only damage I've really taken. It's not like I'm standing, taking knees or head kicks from anyone. That's never going to happen. You know, it's just, uh, it's, a, it's a fight, you know. So I never let any of that frustrate me, get to me, uh, put myself in a brawler mode. I just always wanted to uh, play the smart, defensive, tactic game, you know, hit and not get hit. Absolutely, man. Now, have you always had that mindset or is this something you've developed over the years? Um, always, you know, uh, before I was with Duke Rufus and I was a Rufus Sport Spartan, uh, I had to train myself. I had to get all my own fights. I had to basically learn how to fight on my own. So I just watched a lot of fights. I watched a lot of film 
from all over the world, many different styles. So I just watched my favorite kind of fighters, and I just did my best to, you know, follow their lead. And you watch some of the best, you know, in their prime. They were also, you know, not only the best offensively going forward, dominating, you know, like St. Pierre, Liddell, Anderson Silva, B.J. Penn, but they were also the best at, you know, not taking punishment, not getting, you know, hit. So I want to have a long career in this sport. I know it's not good for me. And, you know, with this uh, this, this craze, you know, it's it's been around forever, but, you know, what we've seen in boxing and kickboxing, it's great for entertainment, don't get me wrong, you know, seeing someone never be able to quit, never get knocked out, never go down, but still getting hit, period, is not good for you. So, you know, fighting intelligently and uh, always avoiding that the best way possible is the best thing for myself. How come uh, the judges have something against you, man? Like, why Why is there always that one judge that fucks it up? Because in uh, a lot of these fights, I feel like you, you're clearly winning them, and then that one judge has to score for the other guy. You're telling me, man. <laughs> you know, like, even in, you know, some defeats, it's almost like, how is this, you know, one guy, you know, all scoring it for them? Uh, you know, yeah, you know, they say, oh, the split decision or whatever, and this crap, and I'm just like, man... Like, I get, you know, I rewatch it, and I'm trying, you know, I'm being completely honest with myself. I'm like, oh, hey, man, thank God I won that fight. No, I mean, I see it as, like, in the heat of the battle, feeling that man's spirit, you know, seeing and feeling him physically in the middle of the ring, you know, while these fights were going on, I'm like, all right, this guy might have had one round out of all these three, but I dominated, you know, the last two. So it's like, for me, it's like, how did the judges not see that? I don't understand you know, especially in some of them where I have taken no punishment or that I'm attempting takedowns. Like, I'm actively trying to finish the fight when some other ones, you can just tell that I'm just trying to get held down. So I have no idea, you know. Mom, obviously, that's, uh, that is that is my fault, though, for letting you go the distance and not finishing the fight. Man, what I really like about your style is that you take a different approach for each fight. You know, for example, the Justin Lawrence fight. I mean, this is a dude who, you know, he's been training karate since he was a baby. And, uh, you know, you use the takedowns very nicely there. In the Vaishal fight, which, you know, I thought you won, you know, you'd get back up from the takedowns and then you'd uh, piece him up on the feet. So, you know, that goes back to the talk about being an intelligent fighter. Yes, I'm always looking to see how I can beat my opponent anywhere and everywhere, you know. I, uh... I think that's, you know, yeah, that just speaks as a testament to the kind of martial artist I am. You know, uh, Justin Lawrence, a uh, kid who's been striking his whole life, and I've only really been striking since I've been with Duke Rufus, you know, really learning the, the true true martial arts of striking, all forms of it, you know, taekwondo, karate, kickboxing, boxing, Muay Thai, all of it together. And I outstruck him uh, with Daniel Pineda a man who has been, you know, uh, a jiu-jitsu practitioner longer than I've even known, you know, martial arts and trained jiu-jitsu, who's finished all of his fights, all of his wins are by finishes, he's never won a decision, and he was looking to dominate me uh, with grappling and wrestling, and I feel like I turned the tide on him, I outgrappled him, you know, so um, I don't see it as a, as a mental thing, I'm going to go beat this guy at his own game, I just see it as everyone is a human being, and I can fight everywhere, too. I'm not a one-dimensional fighter. Dude, speaking of Pineda, I'm glad you brought that up. Because, I mean, that's a dude that, you know, he's tapped out dudes with leg locks, with chokes, with everything. Uh, what were those scrambles like for you? It was pretty crazy because I knew, obviously, he loves the Kimura. Watching a lot of his fights, that's what he went for, especially recently. He finished a lot of fights. 
with Zach Mora. He finished Justin Lawrence with one arm, one arm Kimura. So that's impressive. Uh, he's a go forward. He was, uh, you know, he's a slugger. He never quit, man. You know, the the dude, he has a lot of heart. But, you know, in the heat of the battle, too, without defending off everything that he was attempting, uh, to, I know he was just trying to submit me because he wasn't beating me anywhere else. But uh, he did attack my feet, too, and I knew he would. It was crazy. Like, deep down in my mind, I was like, I know he's going to just try to come more on me or hold me down, go for a choke on me. But I know none of this is going to work, and he's probably going to attack my feet. And sure enough, he attacked my feet, and I was like, oh, crap. I'm glad mentally I was ready for it. It wasn't like something I'd never dealt with. And it's something that happens in training. You know, I, uh, my professor in jiu-jitsu, is, uh, he loves the leg locks. So, you know, uh, offensively, defensively, it's something that I'll always have in my repertoire. Yeah, you're talking about uh, Daniel Wanderley? Yes, sir. What's it like training with a badass like that? He's amazing, man. He's incredible, you know, because to him, he doesn't care. He's just like Duke. He doesn't care how we win the fight. He doesn't, he's not the kind of guy to say, hey, let's pull guard and try to win by submission. We win by knockout, we win by knockout. We win by submission, we win by, we win by wrestling dominance. We, the point is winning. You know, he's not a jiu-jitsu coach. He's a winning coach. So that's exactly how my, all my coaches are on the same page. We're not looking to, hey, we're just going to take this guy down or, hey, we're just going to do this to this guy. No, you know, we're going to do everything to this guy and we're going to do whatever it takes to win, you know. And the two ways to finish your fight and win, I'm pretty good at, you know, and that's all I attempt to do. So I'm not, you know, just some of these commentators and people in the media or whatever can say whatever they want to say, think whatever they want to think. But, no, deep down inside, I want to see a man, you know, go down by my hand or strangle with him unconscious, you know what I mean? So that's what I'm looking to go off to do each and every time I fight. Absolutely. And how do you uh, deal with the criticism? I mean, is it just a matter of, you know, they're not the ones stepping inside the cage? Yeah, I guess that's the best way to look at it, you know. They can, from the outside, they can see it however they want to see it. Thinking I'm getting out of class, thinking I'm, you know, nowhere near whatever kind of level, whatever kind of things are, you know. Uh, for me, it's just like, man, you know, they love to hate me and underestimate me, but, you know, they call me crazy. But I'm not crazy. You know, the harsh words don't face me. I know I'm destined to be the champ, baby. Yes, sir. Fighter's going to fight and hater's going to hate. Exactly. So, dude, how do you feel like you stack up with uh, with Daniel Strauss, the champion of your weight class? Um, I think he's a great fighter, man. You know, he was rooting for me, actually. When I was in the locker room, when he was facing Pitbull, and I was facing Justin, we were in the same locker room together. And, uh, you know, him and his camp, uh, I know his camp well. Because, you know, he trains at ATT, and Tyron is from ATT and trains with us, you know, at Rufus Sport. So, you know, um, we're, we're all good people. You know what I mean? I, I respect him as a man. Um, I think he's, he's very experienced. He's had quite a bit of a layoff. And I think also with these guys that have been with Bellator or, you know, of just veterans of the game of mixed martial arts in general, they're, I'm not going to say exhausted, bored, whatever, but they've already, they've already been there. You know, they've been the champ. He's been the champions of the second time now. So I think I stack up pretty well with him. You know, this is something completely different from, you know, that he's ever dealt with because most of the other guys he's fought already, his last, what, you know, five fights, is just what an up-and-comer or current or pitbull. So it, this is a completely different uh, kind of fighter he, he would deal with. And the hunger, you know, the, the hunger is much different from what all the other fighters he dealt with as well.
Absolutely. So, I mean, do you feel like you're ready for a title shot already, or do you want to get a couple more fights under your belt? Like, where do you see your career right now? I see myself as, you know, I just turned 26. I'm not getting any younger. <laughs> you know, my goal was to be world champion, you know, whatever it takes. And I wanted that, you know, since I had turned professional. You know, I was 21 at the time, and I thought, man, you know, this is all going to happen right. I'm going to be one of the youngest champions, you know, in mixed martial arts, too. Uh, at 23, 24, I'm going to have it made. But you know what? Those didn't go my way. And no regrets, though. I've, uh, you know, I've lived a happy life in and outside of the cage. I, it, it's taught me everything that I needed to learn, and I've used it all for the greater good today. So it's all right, you know. I, it's all right that I know I'm not the champion. I'm very mad about my last fight, and then even the last couple, you know, I want dominating finishes and dominating victories. So I know that I still have a lot of more room to grow, learn, and that's what I just do every single day in the gym. And I know that deep down inside, though, I was born ready, you know. Well, there's there's no better time than now. Definitely, man. I, I 100% agree. And what's it like uh, training with the champ, T. Wood? It's amazing, man. It's amazing that, to have Tyron ask me to, to help him for his fight, you know. Uh, there I am. I'll work with him. I'll learn from him with his wrestling, with his experience, with everything that he's done. But he asked me to help him, so he asked me to spar in preparation for Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. So to me, that was pretty incredible. I'm like, whoa, man, it's just me. You know, you got other guys your weight, you know, but uh, I guess, you know, he just wanted someone with my, I guess, speed or experience or style of fighting, I guess, that I could uh, bring to the table for him. So for me, that was pretty incredible. And it's something you can never, you know, uh, turn down. It's something you'll never forget as well. And it's something that he always reminds me of daily because he knows the home person that he is, the everyone that's helping him get ready for his fight. Now, I mean, I'm sure you learned a lot from him, but is it more so in the mental side of things? And the reason I ask that is because, I mean, they already call you overtime because you're known for, you know, your work ethic. But did you learn something about Tyron's mindset? Oh, yes, absolutely, every time. You know, um, I would consider myself the the second generation, almost third generation of fighters, you know. Tyron is probably, you know, one and a half second because you see the first guys were the first ones to come to the first UFCs, right, you know, back when there was no rules or finally when it was starting to get legalized everywhere and you had guys like St. Pierre, Penn, Liddell, Ortiz, uh, Rich Franklin, Anderson Silva, you know, started to come up, and then Tyron started to make his way up through, uh, you know, in his own way, and then through Strike Force, and now all the way up until the UFC now. So, with his uh, amount of level of experience, not just through wrestling, but in mixed martial arts as well, it, it's great, man. It, you know, I keep the white man mentality. I can learn anything from anyone at any time. There's no knowledge that is not power, and anything that he can help me. In any way, shape, or form, I'm going to listen, you know. So it's very great to have that in the gym. Definitely. How do you see that fight going down between uh, T. Wood and Wonderboy? Obviously, you're picking your boy, but how do you think he's going to get it done? I think Wonderboy's a great fighter. I think the only reason, you know, I'm, let's, let's be honest here, too. If you train mixed martial arts, right, only about 
before, you know, back in the day, the original talking about the pioneers of mixed martial arts, back when it started, you know, yeah, it was the taekwondo guy versus the wrestler, the boxer versus the karate guy, the, you know, uh, judo guy versus the jiu-jitsu guy or however. And that was, you know, like the original kumite. It was just a mix of styles. And now you have to be good at everything. And now we haven't seen anyone like his level of striking in a while. You know, you've got guys like Justin Orange, Sage Northcutt, Tim, uh, just, you know, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, Justin Scoggins. Uh, you have many of these guys. With, uh, well, the Pettis brothers as well, excuse me. They uh, have a Taekwondo background as well. They come from their whole lives. Uh, Anderson Silva is uh, Black Belt Taekwondo. So people call it flashy. They call it, you know, that lame karate or Taekwondo stuff. But the only problem is that if you've never fought a person who fights that style, then, yeah, it's going to be hard for you to deal with because they've been doing it since they were kids. Do I think Wonderboy is pretty incredible? Yeah, he's fast, he's athletic, and his karate kickboxing style works for him. He's been doing it his whole life, you know? So why change it up? That's just the type of fighter he is. But when you know how to fight that style, though, then yes, you know that each and every human being can be beat, and he has been beat. So I see Tyron being able to expose all of his holes, close the gap, and being able to finish him. Man, the way uh, Tyron closes that distance is absolutely ridiculous. Like, have you ever seen anything like that before? Oh, uh, I, man, no, really. You know, we call him uh, Rhino Legs because he's shorter than me. You know, and I'm a featherweight. And he's a welterweight. He's shorter than me. His legs are just um, crazy built, put together, well put together. And... And he's almost like one of the worst kind of fighters you can have for anyone to deal with. You know what I mean? Just like almost impossible to take down, impossible to stop the takedown. Hits like a freight train. You know, he just has uh, an amazing amount of power in his whole body. He's just a crazy mesomorph, you know, because his legs are almost bigger than, you know, his entire body. It's just insane. <laughs> but uh, it's pretty incredible, though, you know, um, because it's a nice clash of style between Wonderboy and himself, but once Ty is able to close that distance and close that gap, Wonderboy's going to be in a lot of trouble. Dude, who are some other guys that I need to look out for from your gym? Because, I mean, obviously, you got the champ T-Wood, I mean, the Pettis brothers, Bilal, Biggie, Gerald, yourself. Uh, who are some other guys I need to look out for that I don't know about? There is a hefty amount of fighters, man. You know, I would love for all, you know, my teammates, I see them all have the potential to have it as well to be in Bellator or the UFC, you know, uh, I know they all can. It's just a more of a mental thing and in growth, you know, it takes time because I know what it's like to have an order a full-time job or part-time and not, you know, almost not having your way, having guys pull out of fights, not having fights, whatever. And it's just a matter of being patient, you know? So I, I can go through each weight class, you know, at 145, I got my man, Nate Jetterman, who, you know, we kind of big brother him in the gym. He's a little, he's on the younger side. I think he's about Sergio's age, uh, but he's incredible, man. He's, uh, what, six and two. Um, he's one of those guys that where in the gym, it almost looks like, man, no way. This is the guy who fights in the cage, but when the cage door closes and the lights come on, that's when he shines. So he's got what you can't teach, and that's hard, you know, because a lot of us at the gym, you know, yeah, we're able to have our way with him a little bit, but he doesn't back down. He just keeps going forward, and then when he fights, Man, it's like he's untouchable. It's, it's pretty crazy. And it's remarkable. It's an awesome thing to see. 
I also got my man Jordan Griffin, who's the former King of the Cage champion. I know he's well on his way up. He's in the his record in the double digits. He's about thirteen and four. So I know he's got uh, quite a amount of experience, fought in you know multiple weight classes. So I know that he can uh, he can make it as well. He's just gotta apply himself. Yeah, my man Craig Eckelberg, you know, who's a beast at one seventy, just coming off an injury. Uh, all of his fights as well by finishes. He says to all of his opponents, you know, and uh, he, he's great, man. He's great. I know I have a, a, a roster full of monsters, a team full of killers. So not just because of guys who have the most experience on my team or already a veteran in the UFC like Mike Biggie Rose or Chico Camus. Um, I know that there's well amount of other guys that can be ready for the phone call as well, as well as my man Rafael Sad, who's fighting Jeff Curran, uh, the week before me for victory fighting championships, actually. And I know soon enough, I promise you this, mark my words, this kid will be in the Bellator UFC the next calendar year. Definitely. And, dude, what are you looking to do next? You got a fight coming up? Absolutely. December 2nd, I'm facing AJ McKean. Oh, that's what's up, man. How do you feel about it? I feel amazing, man. I think it's a great matchup. You know, uh, I've never turned down a fight, never have, never will. Uh, I just, just get the, you know, get the victim list and I just go out and get the job done, you know. For me, there's nothing that's ever, oh, man, this guy's this, this guy trains with this, this guy, man. I have the best training in the world, you know, and I think that speaks for itself. You know, Tyron Woodley was at ATT and he came to Rufus Sport to work with us. And, you know, since his last three fights, he's looked incredible and then it's won him his world title and now he's about to go defend his world title. Uh, Anthony Pettis, Sergio Pettis, Mike Biggie Rhodes, Gerald Mearsar, Chico Kamen, uh, Eric Koch. Uh, I got the best of everything everywhere, man. So I'm 100% ready everywhere, wherever the fight goes. And I know no one trains with more animals than I do. So I'm 100% prepared. Perfect. And dude, who you got between uh, Connor and Eddie Alvarez? You know, that's a, that's a great matchup. I'm going to have to go with Eddie. Um, you know, I understand Connor can make people believe in his own hype, and he believes in his own hype, and that's great. Don't get me wrong. He's an incredible martial artist. He's a good striker. He's not a great striker, but he's a good striker. And I actually got that. I stole those exact words from my sensei, Duke Rufus. And it goes into a deeper detail why we say that, but um, I'll leave that for another story or another interview another time because it's a longer story. But he, he's great. Don't get me wrong. He's great. He's strong. But he also, I see Diaz, or excuse me, Alvarez just like Diaz. Um, Alvarez doesn't fight going backwards. He's only been finished or knocked out at least, excuse me, you know, once in his career at 170 by a man he was just dwarfed by. Um, yeah, he's taken his fair share of damage throughout his career, but the man never gives up, man. You know, the man took... Uh, the man, one of the I want to say a beating, but the best shots from Anthony, and still stood there, still kept trucking forward. So I do see Connor trying to keep the distance, being a little bigger. But uh, Eddie has better wrestling. Eddie can hit harder, and Eddie doesn't back down. So I think that's why Diaz was able to get into Connor's head too. Whether that 55 or 70 doesn't matter. You know, he was able to not back down and back him up, and. When you're not used to being the guy going backwards, it's no trouble. And that's what happened for him last time, and that's how I feel uh, Alvarez will be able to deal with him this time as well. 
Emmanuel, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now on Half the Battle. It's been an absolute pleasure, my man. Uh, let the audience know where they can follow you on social media and anything else you want to plug. Just about everything is Matador Sanchez. That's my Snapchat. That's my Instagram. And that my Facebooks are just my name, Emmanuel Sanchez. And my brother, Matador Sanchez, the Facebook page. And then my uh, Twitter, unfortunately, was taken. I couldn't do Matador Sanchez. So I had to do at El Matador 145. And you can just follow me on each and every one of those forms of social media, and I will get you all back. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a lover and a fighter, as what people say. So, you know, it's not what you give, it's the way you give. And uh, it's, it's one of the great things I love to share with all the fans, too. And uh, always spread the love, spread the peace, get into depth with my training, and get to see what it's like in the life of Matador Sanchez. Manuel, thanks again for the time, brother, and best of luck in your fight, man. Thank you so much for the interview, man. You have a great night. You too, buddy. Peace out. Joining me now is the man making his pro debut at Valor Fights 38. I'm talking about Cole Farrell. Cole, welcome to After Battle, yeah. man. Yeah, buddy. It's good to be here, man. I've uh, I've been watching Half the Battle for a while, man, so I was wondering when I finally get my chance on. <laughs> well, dude, now you got your chance. Not only do you get your chance to talk to me, but more importantly, you're making your pro debut at Valor Fights 38. I mean, I heard you always wanted to be a pro athlete. Uh, now you get the chance, man. Yeah, man, it honestly um, means the world to me. I know it sounds pretty cliche, but, I mean, I can't describe it through words um, of how important this is to me. You know, I've been at this for about six years as an amateur. I've been training for close to ten. So, if anything, bro, this moment is long overdue, but I'm just uh, super excited for the opportunity. Oh, absolutely. And you didn't rush things at all. You got a lot of experience under your belt in your amateur career. And, uh, I mean, when you start taking fights at uh, age 18 and 19, you know what I mean? You got to get that experience, and that's what you did. And now, as far as I'm concerned, you're poised and ready to make that pro debut. Oh, 100%, bro. And um, I try to tell people, you know, like other amateur fighters at the gym, you know, who maybe seek advice or have questions, and uh, my main advice to amateurs is just for sure, take your time, um, embrace the process of victory and defeat as an amateur because uh, the importance of winning and losing reaches uh, an entirely new level when you go pro. So, um, yeah, man, I was at it for a long time with amateur boxing, amateur kickboxing, and then, like I said, a few days after my 18th birthday, I had my... Uh, first Amy fight and I've been hooked ever since bro oh yeah what was it like that uh that first time you got in there man dude oh man it's undescribable it's actually a pretty crazy story um I haven't told a lot of people this story but uh to make it a long story short bro I had been training um boxing you know Brazilian jiu-jitsu while wrestling in high school and middle school and also you know training with uh, professional and amateur MMA fighters since age 16, 15. So for about two years, you know, I was training hard and um, I was 17 about to turn 18. And I knew that was the age limit in Georgia where you can, you know, make your amateur MMA debut. So I was t looking forward to that moment, bro. And uh, my coach at the time, I came from an old school uh, boxing gym in downtown Brunswick, Georgia, my hometown. Um, the coach was like a super stand-up guy, 
as far as boxing goes, he was kind of anti-ground. Um, so all we really trained was boxing at his gym. I got in most of my grappling on the high school wrestling mats and, uh, and like I said, did a little jujitsu here and there. And I knew I was ready, bro. I mean, I was 16 years old, 17, wiping the mats with pro MMA fighters in their mid-30s or, and, and standing up and holding my own with pro boxers. So I knew I was more than ready. Um, my coach at the time didn't agree. Um, and uh, basically, man, I just kind of got tired of it. Uh, like I said, I kind of knew I was ready. Um, so I went on mixedmartialarts.com, and I was like senior in high school. Um, I found a promoter in Raleigh, North Carolina. His name's uh, Bill Dowie, actually, at the time. Um, I messaged him and basically lied, man. I said I was uh, independent, out of an independent gym, because my coach wanted me to wait a whole nother year, and I was just like, fuck that. <laughs> so... labeled myself as independent bro um went to one of the fighters at the gym um i didn't tell the coach obviously but i went to one of the fighters that i trusted at the time he's actually a pro now um his name is brandon riles and i just said hey bro i'm scheduling my first amy fight you know coach doesn't think i'm ready i think i'm ready i need someone to court so he said all right i'm down you're crazy as fuck but let's do it um and my girlfriend's dad at the time was like, you know, supportive of me. So he was the one who drove us. So anyways, bro, I fucking hop in the car one weekend. Me, the training partner, my girlfriend's dad, drive about six hours to the heart of Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, I took a fight at 145, and I was walking around at about 142. Um, we were at the weigh-ins and we didn't, we couldn't find my opponent anywhere, bro. And, uh, my opponent got on the scale before I knew he was my opponent. And we were like, holy fuck, that dude's huge. I wonder who he's fighting, blah, blah, blah. Like not even thinking twice. And then, um, they call me up right after to weigh in and face off against him. I'm like, holy fuck. So it was like a 33 year old Marine named Ishmael Roman. He was O as well. And anyways, bro, fast forward to the fight. We were the first fight on the card. It was The arena was completely jam-packed. I was more scared than I've ever been in my life. This dude was being a douche. He wasn't really tapping with me um, after the weigh-ins. He didn't want to tap with me before the fight, so that made me even more nervous. The video's on YouTube. Uh, I won the first round, bro. I would say 10-9 with just my boxing and the takedown defense I had with my wrestling. And second round came, bro. Um, that 15 and extra 20, 15 pounds of muscle he had on me uh, played, a, played a role in the second round. Um, I could barely lift up my arms. Um, I shot in, got my takedown stuff. He spun around, uh, took my back, sunk the hooks in, and, and got a rear naked. So that was my first amateur fight. That was the crazy-ass story leading up to it. And I learned a bunch of valuable lessons um, as far as, you know, listening to your coach and surrounding yourself with the right people and making sure you're ready. And I was not ready, and I have the integrity to say that now. But 
Yeah, bro. That that's that story is where it all started. I've literally been been at it ever since. Now, Cole, you might not have been ready, but one thing that you and I can agree on is you had a serious desire to fight. Because if you're a coach, you know someone that you trust is telling you not to fight, and you're like, "No, dude, I'm gonna fight." I mean, talk to me about your desire to fight, bro, because uh, that's something that comes from within. Yeah, a hundred percent, bro. Um, my desire to fight, man, is on a whole nother level in comparison to ninety-nine point nine percent of all fighters in the game. And everyone says they're hungry. Everyone says they want it, bro. But no one wants this like me. I mean, I sh- I literally came into this world fighting. Um, single mom, uh, rough area as far as middle school goes, fights every day in the locker room, cafeteria, streets, backyards. I mean, I literally just grew up fighting. And it, and it wasn't because I had a chip on my shoulder. That was just my surroundings, bro. Like, you either, you know, you either survived or you didn't. You know, you were either a chump or you were respected. And that's just how it was, bro. And uh, I just knew there was something more to it. I was great at football and baseball. Friggin' loved it. But I just knew there was something about it that uh, wasn't for me. And like I said, bro, I saw UFC DVDs in Walmart when I was like a kid in seventh grade. I begged my mom to buy me UFC DVDs. It was actually Shamrock versus Ortiz when Ortiz fucking smashed him. And I was hooked, bro. I went in the kitchen, told my mom, listen, this is what I want to do. At the time, like, it probably went through everyone's ear and out the other. Because when I was in seventh grade, I was changing what I wanted to do uh, when I got older every day. But years passed, and I started training, and I started, you know, staying out of the streets and more in the gym. And the desire just kept building, bro. And now it's like I wake up, and I'm like, shit. I'm two weeks out from my professional debut. I was born for this. I've waited my entire life for this, man. And I'm just excited, anxious, scared, nervous, and pumped to embrace this fucking moment, bro. And just go in there and take what's mine. Absolutely. That's the mentality you need to have. And, you know, it's not like you're just a fighter. I mean, you you also have some serious power in your hands because... All five of your amateur boxing matches ended in round one via TKO. All four of your amateur MMA victories ended in round one under the two-minute mark. So when did you realize you had that kind of knockout power, man? Bro, honestly, it was before that. And um, I'm going to revert back to my old coach who, you know, maybe we had a bunch of disagreements. But my old coach in downtown Brunswick Boxing, where it all started, used to tell me when I hit the mitt. And he was, like, a super humble, strict dude. So, like, he would never compliment anyone. You know, he may nod his head, and that's as much as you'll get from him. But he used to tell me when we hit mitts that he's like, you know, you hit, like, a 170-pounder. And I was, like, a buck 35 at the time, bro. I was, like, 16, 17. And he's just, like, your left hook, your right hook, your angles. He's like, you hit hard, you know. And, and, and from the moment I heard that come out of his mouth um it just built a confidence that's really never went away bro um and even in reverting back to my first fight that i did uh you know lose at age 18 fighting at 145 
with only some boxing and wrestling really under my belt. Uh, one thing about that fight, bro, is I almost knocked my opponent out in the first round, being two weight classes above what I would normally fight at. And, and then that was like when I realized, okay, my coach wasn't lying or trying to build my confidence when he told me I fucking hit hard. Like, this big motherfucker that's like 20 pounds more than me, I've rocked him two different times in that fight and almost finished the fight in the first round. Um, so, yeah, bro, I kind of knew from hearing it from him, the first fight, and just sparring with grown men at such a young age and just rocking them, bro, in training. And I'm a super, like, easygoing guy when it comes to training. I wasn't trying to rock these guys, but... I was just putting it on people, bro. And uh, once I got some finishes under my belt, yeah, like I knew for a fact. I'm like, okay, this is uh, this is what I'm meant to do. And the power that I possess in my hands is what's gonna set me apart from everybody else. Because everyone says they they have power, bro. But when I go in there and I, you know, implement all of the technique that I've learned and acquired. My power is really unmatched at 135 and 125. There's no one in either of these weight classes at the pro level, at least in this area, that can match my power. And uh, I'm ready to show that November 5th. Now, Cole, I mean, you mentioned your power, but, you know, it's not like you're some guy that closes his eyes and chucks some, uh, you know, some haymakers. You're a, you're a very smart fighter in there. You're very composed in there. So tell me about your mentality, man, because it seems like not much can really rattle you in there. 100%, bro. Um, as far as being composed goes, that kind of goes back to my upbringing. Because when I was getting in fights, you know, at school and shit, I would black out. And I would ask people, like, yo, what the fuck happened? Like, afterwards, like, I literally wouldn't remember shit. And the older I got, the more mature I got. And the more mature I got, the more that I was able to control the chaos, control the adrenaline, control the anger, and and um and make it my own. So, yeah, man, that moment when they're putting Vaseline on my face and they're checking my cup and um, checking my gloves, that's when the switch flips. That's when I'm like, okay, man, this is like art. Just go in here and showcase your your skill, showcase your talent. You know, like you said, yeah, I don't go in there and brawl. I don't go in there and just swing for the fences. Um, I go in there with the mindset that anything can happen. I always respect my opponents. That's why I'm so calm. Because, you know, I'm not I'm not a disrespectful guy. I'm a confident, but I'm not a disrespectful guy. So, yeah, it all reverts back to my upbringing, bro. Like, blacking out and, and, and not being able to control my anger at a young age, I feel is why I'm able to control my anger and not black out now. So, yeah, man, being calm is key for me. I literally just, you know, tunnel tunnel vision, bro. It's like I put everything else out, and I'm just like, okay, I just need to go in here and showcase my skills and, and, and shed some blood, bro. Like I'm down for whatever when the cage door shuts, but I've lost. I know what defeat feels like, and I don't want to feel that again. You know what I mean? So, yeah, being calm is key for me.
Definitely. Now, I gotta know, man, tell me a, a story of one of the old street fights you got into. And the reason I'm asking is because, I mean, obviously now you're a pro fighter that gets paid to fight. But back in the day, you know, you had to learn the ropes. Now you're at the point you're at. But I gotta hear an old uh, Cole Farrell street fight story. Oh, bro. I mean, <laughs> there, there's literally over 50 to 60 of them. No exaggeration at all. But if I had to grab one without fucking talking your head off for an hour... Um, it, it's gotta be one I talked about recently on social media. Um, long story short, I was, uh, 16. So I was like, yeah, freshman or a sophomore in high school. And, um, there was this guy, um, and he was, he was a badass from my rival high school, but we were kind of cool at the same time and all. So, uh, so one of his friends reached out to one of my friends and, you know, we, we arranged a boxing match. Well, well, I thought, so I pull up at his house and there's no boxing gloves anywhere. And he's just in his gym shorts, you know, no shirt, just kind of looks a little angry. And I thought we were kind of cool. I thought we were just going to box to see who had better hands. Right. So, um, I'm like, yo, what up, bro? Um, you know, where's the gloves, blah, blah, blah. He's like, well, I couldn't find them. <laughs> and that's all he said. He didn't say shit after that. So I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm low-key awkwardly sitting there like, all right. And then his older brother was around now. And taking mine, he was like, this kid was like 18. I was like 16. Um, so I was like, all right, sir, are we just going to fucking run it then? Like, because then I kind of got pissed. Then I was like, Dis I felt disrespected. I'm like, I came out here to box, you know, no, no bad blood, you know, just to see who has better hands. But you want to fucking fight me? Like, you want to fight me? Like, like that's just when this, this, this whole different person comes out, bro. So he said he wanted to fight, and I literally was like a GSP fan back then, hardcore with his Superman punch, except I was too close to him before we started fighting. So I didn't have that distance to kind of lunge in with the Superman punch. So he said, let's fucking run it. So I hit him with a Superman elbow, bro. Like <laughs> the same form as a Superman punch, but just cracked him on his forehead. And he fucking dropped on one knee. And his older brother was like, no, 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 and broke us up. Because I was about to, you know, fucking mount him and start cracking his head in the dirt. And we were at his house. Um, like on the side of his house, like right next to where his mom's car was parked and his brother broke the fight up. It was like, no, 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 no. And I'm like, no, fuck that. Like you've disrespected me. You have challenged me to a fight. So guess what? We are fighting. So he breaks us up. He comes back at me again, left hook, dropped him again, cracked him. He tried getting up. His legs were noodles. So then I threw him on top of his mom's car hood and just started beating his face in, bro. And uh, there was blood everywhere. It was like look, it looked like someone shot him in the face, like with a with a little twenty two or something. And um, so you know, literally everyone broke it up. His brother and my buddy who brought me there. And the first thing he did was hug me, and he shook my hand. And he had to get, like, nine stitches in his lip. It looked like someone just took scissors and cut his lip. So I've never felt more respected in my life when he hugged me and shook my hand. And I respected him. So, okay, that was that, right? 
fucked this guy up really bad because he just basically after the fight, he's like, yeah, man, I've been hearing your name at my school and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just tired of it. And I just wanted to see what you were about. And I respect you now. So now we're getting to the fucking story, bro. But one thing I didn't mention on Facebook when I told people about this a few weeks back is that that fight that I just described is, is, is what caused uh, the fight I'm about to tell you about. So I'm chilling a week later, right, after I smashed this dude. His mom had called within that week, th- wanted us to pay the hospital bill, but she ended up, like, cooling down, and that kind of faded away. So I'm at my girlfriend's house at the time. Like I said, 16 years old, at my girlfriend's house, eating some food at her table, and I get a call from one of my buddies. And he's like, yo, what's good, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, shit, man, just chilling. He's like, this, this guy wants to fight you. And he's pissed, you know, that you beat up his friend. And uh, I would say these guys' names, but, you know, I was still kind of bad. And they'll probably end up listening to this interview. So <laughs> I'll spare them by not saying names. But anyways, I'll just keep saying this guy. So my buddy calls me. I'm eating. He's like, yo, this fucking guy wants to fight you. And he tells me his name. I'm like, well, I have no idea who the fuck this guy is. Why does he want to fight me? Um, and he's like, because you beat up so-and-so. And so-and-so so happens to be his best friend, the guy who I fucked up on the side of his house that I was supposed to box, the guy I just told you about, right. was this dude's best friend. So I guess, you know, old buddy came to school a few days later with nine stitches in his lip and his face all busted up. And, you know, like any good wood in high school, you're going to get pissed if you come in and your buddy's all fucked up from some random dude you don't even know. Well, unfortunately for him, I just so happened to be that random dude he didn't know. So he wanted to fight. So uh, we planned it for after school one day. And like I said, I had never seen this guy in my entire life, bro. I think this is, to this day, the only fist fight I've been in that was planned that I had never seen or didn't know shit about the dude I was fighting. And uh, all, I, all I was told is that he was like 220, and I was 135 at the time. I was 5'8", and I was told he was about 5'9", 5'10". So all I know is it's this football player from the rival high school. He's fucking 100 pounds more than me, two inches taller, and he's pissed because I beat up his best friend. That's all I fucking know. We pull up to this house. And everyone's waiting on this guy to come. And I'm thinking he's not going to come. And I was so fucking scared and nervous, bro. I was honestly in my head thinking, just don't come. Just don't come so I can tell people you bitched out. And I, <laughs> I don't have to fight your big ass, whoever you are, mystery dude. Uh, so finally this car pulls up. And this ratchet-ass lady gets out of the car, which happens to be this dude's mom, He gets out the passenger seat after his mom hops out the car. His mom brought him to the fight, first off. Like, what the fuck? Second of all, he hops out the car, this big fucker with no neck, and all he says is, where is Cole? And I was kind of stuck in the mud, like, sitting down in my friend's Jeep, like, just like, oh, shit. And my friend, who I was with at the time, Travis, he's, you know, told me to get out. Let's fucking, let's go. So I get out, he gives me a good slap in the face to warm me up, and then the dude says for a second time, where's Cole? 
So I take my shirt off, and all I remember is saying, right here, motherfucker. <laughs> and I just started hooking. And at the time, bro, I just had a little boxing, a little wrestling, a little jiu-jitsu. So I was just hooking, bro. I really didn't have any skill. So I was, and I landed a like a nine punch combo within like ten seconds, and within those ten seconds, I literally obliterated him. His size meant nothing. He landed zero punches, and he bitched out, dude, like a puss, and said, "You got it. You got it. I'm done." That's what he said, word for word. And then that was that. His mom was all pissed. Called the cops. Cops pulled us over when we tried to leave the scene turns out i beat the dude so bad he told the cops the truth and his mom ended up getting in trouble and going to jail crazy fucking story yeah but long story short uh that's how it went down bro it was like someone always wanted to scrap just because they heard this or they heard that or they wanted to see about me and eventually after so many street fights planned not planned um, after so many of them, bro, it got to the point to where I didn't have to fight in my hometown of Brunswick, Georgia and St. Simon's Island. Like I didn't have to, because that was, that respect was gained and it wasn't gained because I was some douchebag going around trying to fight. I just don't take shit. You talk about my sister, chin check, talk about my mom, chin check in the cafeteria, in the middle of the classroom. At football practice, it doesn't matter. Chin check. I'm going to hit you if you disrespect me or my family. And that's just how it was. I would never start it, but I, was, I would always finish it. That's how my dad taught me. And I have a two-year-old son named Ben, and I'm going to teach him the same thing. Be humble, be respectful, you know, love everyone. But if you get disrespected, do what you got to do. Simple as that, bro. So, yeah, that's just like, you know, one or two of the stories out of, uh, fucking 60, 50 of them, but that's all for another day and another time, bro. We would be talking all fucking night if that were the case. <laughs> Cole, isn't it amazing how, uh, you know, once you put one of these bullies in their place, then they want to shake your hand and be your friend? Uh, dude, isn't it? And it's like that to this day. It's not like anything's changed in the past five, ten years since I was in school. If anything, it's getting worse with all of these kids, man, and all of these bullies. Like, I was raised to be anti-bully, bro. Like, I was the one who wanted to fucking fight the bullies. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, and it's getting worse with time. And, and it is funny. It's super funny how you can hit someone in the mouth and everything changes. And uh, speaking of that, you know, this guy's been talking a, a little bit that I'm fighting on the fifth. So, everyone talks until they get hit in the mouth. It's, it's a pretty simple concept. <laughs> This is true, man. We'll get into your opponent in, in a second, but I, I got to know, man, because, you know, we sparred recently the other day, and, I mean, you got that uh, Dominic Cruz style down, the footwork, the head movement, everything, and, you know, it's funny because with Dominic Cruz, I heard some rumors back in the day that, you know, after practice, he would just spend an hour or two only working on his footwork, and a lot of people would be like, oh, why are you tap dancing after practice and all this and that? Then he defends a couple titles, and then everyone's like, oh, that's what he was doing. So what kinds of things are you doing to, you know, develop your style, man? Dominic Cruz, the fucking GOAT, dude. Um, he's been one of my favorite fighters since I was introduced to the sport. Um, they always say, you know, uh, mimic the greatest 
uh, implement what they do and you will become just like the greatest. And, uh, dude, I always have copied and stole as much knowledge and uh, movement from Dominic Cruz as I could. And this goes all the way back to when he had just started fighting in the WEC when he got his only loss to her eye favor. I've been watching him since back then, bro. And I've realized that footwork is so underrated. And if I can combine my footwork and my movement and my speed with my punching power, then I feel like I'll be an even bigger threat in my division than Dominic Cruz one day. Now, key words one day, dude. Dominic is the GOAT. But uh, he doesn't have a whole bunch of, you know, knockout victories, like out cold. And I feel like his next fight with Cody, that's going to be an interesting fight. So basically what I'm getting at is I feel like I have the KO power of Cody Gambrit. Did I say his last name right, bro? Yeah, Garbrandt. I know who you're talking Garbrandt. about. Garbrandt. I feel like I possess that type of power, but you know, Garbrandt doesn't have the movement of Cruz. And I'm just trying to mimic and, and take from the best and create something unique of my own. And, uh, yeah, bro, the, the movement is key, is to be to hit without being hit. Sounds simple, but that's the concept. I'm not one of these guys who go in and brawl just for a bunch of drunk people screaming, you know, a bunch of shit. Like, I'm going to go in there and, and try to make artwork. So, and footwork is part of that art, bro. So, yeah, man, I try to implement that in my sparring and training as much as possible. That way, when the ref says go and the cage door closes, it's second nature to me. You know what I mean? Absolutely, man. And you said uh, your upcoming opponent's been talking a little bit? Yeah, yeah nothing serious, bro. Uh, he just, you know, tagged me in some post that the matchmaker tagged everyone in regarding ticket sales and said, uh, you know, ready to do battle, hashtag let's get it. You know, I'm seeing him post stuff, uh, you know, ain't nobody out here fucking with us, blah, blah, blah. He's got that street mentality. Um, I, fought, I fought guys like that. Um, he, I just think that uh, by looking at me, he's underestimating me, uh, mainly because the fight poster is a picture of me when I was 18 years old. So, yeah, he hasn't really talked any shit, but you can tell that he thinks he's going to fucking whoop my ass. And that's not going to happen. He doesn't know that a lifetime of work is leading up to this moment. He has no clue, bro. So, Cole, Valor Fights 38, you're making your pro debut. How's it going to go down, man? Honestly, bro, I, I envision this being one of the biggest nights of my entire life. Um, I, I see myself going in there and utilize, utilizing my athleticism, my explosiveness, my jiu-jitsu, my wrestling, and my boxing, and either finishing this fight by a uh, guillotine chokehold um, under two minutes, or I'll hit him with my left hook and knock him out cold, and I'll leave him snoring on the canvas. Um, one thing about me is I'm a very humble man. I do have confidence, but when that cage door shuts, it's either me or you, and... Uh, it's not going to be me. He's in the way of everything I want in life. Um, you know, I feel like a lot of people are sleeping on me, bro. 
you know, just because I learned a lot as an amateur, but also made some statements as an amateur. But all of that's in the past. You know, me and you were talking earlier about uh, Cody's first fight, as, uh, one of Cody's fights as an amateur. And it's just amazing how you can lose in, in certain fashions as an amateur and you can your uh, potential as a pro is unlimited. So I feel like people are sleeping on me and I feel like I'm just going to wake everyone the fuck up uh, November 5th after I win. Well, Cole, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now on Half the Battle. Been an absolute pleasure, my man. Let the audience know where they can follow you on social media and anything else you want to plug, man. Awesome, bro. I appreciate it, man. I thank you for having me on. This is my first interview ever, bro. So yes, I'm, I'm really uh, thankful. Uh, my Instagram is Cole Farrell underscore 2016. Um, C-O-L-E-F-E-R-R-E-L-L underscore 2016. Um, Facebook is just Cole Farrell. I have a fan page uh, that goes by the name of Cole Farrell MMA because I still don't have a fight name. I'm just Cole Farrell. Um, let's see. Snapchat, Q, Cole F. Follow me. I'm always active on Snapchat. I got to fucking make a Twitter. Me and you were talking about that <laughs> about a week or two ago. Um, so I'll have that up and running soon. But other than that, bro, it's it, man. Um, I'm just uh, thankful for the opportunity to be on your show, man. I feel like uh, this show's reaching new heights as time passes. And uh, I look forward to hearing from you after I win November 5th, bro. Oh, you got it, brother. Thanks again for the time, man. And uh, best of luck in the fight, dude. Thanks, bro. I appreciate it. All right, man. You have a great night. You too, bro. Joining me now is the reigning defending NFC flyweight champion. I'm talking about Austin Childers. Austin, welcome to Half the Battle, man. Appreciate about everything. Thinking about me. Appreciate that. Oh, you got it, man. So, dude, I mean, you're uh, one of the first ever dual weight champions in Georgia. And I, I heard a rumor you're, you're sticking to one weight class now. Uh, most likely, probably, maybe, I don't know, depends <laughs> on, uh, depends on how fat I get in between a fight. Yeah, you feeling, uh, you feeling more at home at Flyweight? It definitely feels stronger, and I actually have abs, so that's a plus. Yeah, it, it definitely is, man, I mean, uh, some of those dudes at Bantamweight are just, uh, you could tell the size difference, but you got away with your skill for so long, but isn't it tough to deal with those bigger dudes? Yeah, especially guys, especially wrestlers, bigger wrestlers, uh, like Zach Cooper, he was he was a big one. Then uh, the last one, Zach Wolf, was also a big one. So, but it's all good. Yeah, definitely. You've actually fought as high as 155. You fought at featherweight as well, bantamweight, and now you're uh, finding your home at flyweight. So, I mean, it's just a matter of getting more discipline with the diet because, I mean, you know, four different weight classes that you fought in, man. Yeah, well, there's there's my, the first, the 155 and 145, there's stories that go along with those weight classes. But, yeah, I'm mistaken, no more, no more of that, 135 or 125. So you got one coming up in, uh, what, two, three weeks? Yes, sir, November 11th. How do you feel about the matchup? Oh, I always feel great. Don't really matter who it is, probably just some wrestler that's going to take me down. It's all good. <laughs> Isn't that what they're all trying to do at the end of the day? Uh, yes. It's a drag. 
But, yeah, they're all trying to do it. So, dude, how'd you get started in fighting? Because, I mean, you're a relatively young guy. You're only 21 years old. You've already been a dual-weight champion. Uh, you're getting all this experience under your belt. How'd you get started in the sport? Um, I've been doing jiu-jitsu for, like, six years. And due to, like, gyms closing or someone leaving. So then I ended up at Knuckle Up. And I saw their Muay Thai. Which, like, watching them, I think uh, when I first joined, it, there was Eddie Walker, he was still there, Anthony Nieves. So, yeah, I finally just manned up and was like, okay, I'll start more time. So I started training. Then my manager now, Justin, was like, hey, you want to fight? I was like, I mean, I guess so. I ain't got nothing better else to do with my life. And then, bam, here I am two years later. Yeah, so you mentioned Eddie Walker. I mean, this is a guy that knocked out Joe Schilling. So how old were you when you made that decision, I want to take my first fight? How, how old was I when I wanted to take my first fight? Yep. Uh, I, think, uh, I think I was 19. Yeah, two years ago. So yeah, I was 19. Just about to turn 20. Damn, son. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people like talk like, oh, you know, nerves and all that. And I'm like, just, just tell me when to warm up, coach. I'll be watching whatever's on TV right now. <laughs> but yeah, it just, just comes natural. That's awesome, man. So uh, are you thinking about uh, taking a couple more Ammies and then going pro or what? Because, I mean, you already got a lot of experience, but you're still very young. Yeah, I definitely want all the experience. Like, when I turn pro, I don't want to just be able to have seen, like, I want to see, like, most things that someone's going to give me. I also don't want to turn pro too soon. Because once you turn pro, you can't you can't restart that. Which fight do you think you learned the most from? Because I mean, you've won via you know head kick knockout. You've tapped dudes out with with chokes and arm bars, and you've also gone the full fifteen minute distance more than once. Oh, uh, there are two, that, or actually, there are two that come to mind. Uh, I fought a guy named Freddie Walker for the one thirty five Valor title. Yeah, that that fight I just learned that. You can't always, like, force a finish. And so, and then the Brian Callaway fight, I also learned a lot about that because I didn't. I just went and fought because, let's see, I was terrified of that guy. He was, like, super tall, super ripped. I was scared to death. I know he's a brown belt in jiu-jitsu, so I was terrified. And so my coach was like, just go kick his leg. I'm like, all right. And so I started kicking him in the leg. I'm like, oh, my God, it's working. And so, yeah, I just went out there and fought and just felt good. And then the finish, I didn't force it. It just came. So tell me about channeling that fear, man, because, I mean, you mentioned that that's the most terrified you've ever been. But on the flip side, that was the most spectacular result you've ever gotten when you head kicked that guy out cold. Yeah, maybe I need to be scared of him more. I don't know. <laughs> he just looked terrified. I think it was. I was scared because my coaches were like, do not go to the ground. And so I'm like, well, what do you, what do you mean? That's what I do. And they're like, you can't. You're not allowed. Don't do it. You're not going to figure out. And so I was like, all right, whatever. Yeah, I was terrified. Who are some fighters that you look up to and, uh, you know, gain influence from? Mm. Biggest influence? Demetrius Johnson. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, not really from, like, fighting-wise, but, uh, like, the lady is outside the cage. Oh, yeah, I thought you were a big uh, Diaz Brothers fan. 
Uh, I do love the Diaz brothers, but like, if there was someone I could like act like, it would be more Mighty Mouse. I could not. I don't have the balls big enough to act like Diaz brothers. Except in the stare down, huh? Yeah, I'm not fir- in my first few like stare downs, I did the little, you know, hands out, fist out, and then eventually it's like I cut a lot of weight. I'm not lifting up anything. <laughs> How's it been making the full time switch to flyweight? Yeah, I can't have Taco Bell anymore, which sucks. Or pizza, have a flight, go get a burger, a lot of alcohol, you know, the usual. Oh yeah, now you're 21. Now you now you can drink, my man. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the best part about fighting because win or lose, they're either like, yeah, you won, here's a shot, or they're like, man, let me buy you a shot. I'm like, okay. Oh man, but uh, in a couple weeks, it's gonna be the the victory shot. Of course, always, always won the victory shot. Yes, sir. So, dude, who you got between uh, Eddie Alvarez and Conor McGregor? They're fighting for that uh, that lightweight title in New York. Ah, oh, you got me. Um, I think Eddie Alvarez will win. Oh yeah, but you're one of these guys that always picks against McGregor, right? Oh yeah, yeah. No, I don't like McGregor. I used to like him when he first when he like joined the UFC. I used to like him, but then it was like it got to be too much. He got too much for me. Yeah, I just hope he's uh, around long enough for me to get there and then start calling him out so I can get some money. <laughs> yeah, just uh, signing that dotted line, that's a nice little uh, million-dollar guarantee. Yeah, but like, Connor, please. Please, Red Penny Night now. <laughs> I said, he'll be like, who the fuck are you? Who's that guy? <laughs> who the fuck is that guy? Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So you mentioned how DJ is one of your favorite fighters. Now he's also the champion in your weight class. So, I mean, what do you think about a matchup with him down the line? I mean, when you go to the gym every day, is it you're training to to beat that guy one day? Oh, nah. I'm just, I'm training to learn as much as I can. And that's, I mean, that's all really it is. I like uh, just learning and I like the process. Especially when you, especially when you feel like, uh, like from a workout, you can tell like how your cardio and your athleticism, everything's growing. That's what I like. Yeah, where do you feel like you're making the most strides? Uh, well, all I've done is wrestling forever, or some, this whole calm since my last fight because I don't want that. that I don't want to get held down like that again. So uh, I would say uh, wrestling defense. That's definitely a, a good area to improve, you know what I mean? Because like we talked about earlier on the show, a lot of these guys, they just want to hold you down. So the takedown defense, the get-up game, it's all very important. But it's not like your, uh, your wrestling defense sucked or anything like that. It just sounds to me like you know, you're trying to get it to an even better level. Yeah, it's just uh, I need to work up getting off the cage. I mean, the last guy, or the last guy I fought left a sour taste in my mouth, so. So the next person holds me against the cage and get kicked in the head. <laughs> that last guy you fought, though, I mean, like, you know, it, it seemed like you guys were a weight class apart, you know? Yeah, always is. I'm always a smaller guy. So obviously you're the current flyweight champion. You're the former bantamweight champion. What was it like being a, a dualweight champion, dude? Honestly, I had the belts, like, for like a day, and then I put them in my trunk. Then I let my little cousin play with him, so it wasn't it wasn't that exciting. But knowing my record was you know such and such, that was that was a good part. The like the belts they don't really matter. 
Oh yeah, you weren't walking around uh, Atlanta, Georgia with one belt on your left shoulder, one belt on your right shoulder? Nah, because my, my friends, let's, they keep me humble. They even like, stop being a douchebag. <laughs> I would have spray painted them gold and put UFC. <laughs> yeah. Then I would have been walking around Atlanta everywhere. Yeah, exactly, man. So, dude, give me a fight prediction on this one. Rafael Dos Anjos is fighting Tony Ferguson in Mexico City in two weeks. I got Tony. I got Ferguson. That's a bad dude. That's a scary dude. He said it was scary. Yeah, the way he fights is like, ah, oh, I would hate to fight him. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. Uh, I'm curious to see how RDA recovers from that uh, setback he had against Alvarez, man. That was that was a devastating one. And at that time, it seemed like RDA was untouchable. You know what I mean? Yeah, it worked. Pettis over pretty good. I was really upset about that, too. Yeah, but, dude, I'll tell you what. Pettis looked good at that uh, in that featherweight debut against uh, DuBronx. No, actually, I didn't get I saw or I read about the finish, but I didn't see the fight. So I can tell you about that one. Wonder Boy is fighting Tyron Woodley. Did you by chance go to the UFC fights uh, in Atlanta, 201? No, I was, I think I was out of town for some fights, actually. Okay. No, I'm pretty sure I was out of town at cornering for some fights. Oh, got you, man. But what do you think about uh, Woodley versus uh, Wonder Boy, man? Because uh, Woodley, obviously, he knocked out Robbie Lawler in ATL. And everyone's wanting to see Wonder Boy get that title shot for so long. Now they're meeting, and uh, man, it, it's a great matchup. Yeah, I, I'm never. I'm gonna count on Woodley. I'm gonna say he's gonna win. Okay, I like it. Going with the underdog pick, and you know, it's interesting to see a champion as the underdog, but that's the case here, man. So I like that pick. And Austin, want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now on Half the Battle. It's been a pleasure, man. Let uh, the audience know where they can follow you on social media and anything else you want to plug. Uh, yeah, follow me on Instagram, Austin C, period, uh, MMA. And uh, appreciate it for having me on, homie. Absolutely, brother. Uh, we got to get you on Twitter, man. Oh, I don't use, I don't use Twitter. I know, but that's got to change ASAP, bro. Mm, I'll, I'll, I'll tweet it. I'll tweet some stuff. <laughs> there you go. Austin, thanks again, man. I appreciate it. There you have it, folks. Ian McCall, Emmanuel Sanchez, Cole Farrell, and Austin Childers. Thank you so much for checking out this very special edition of Half the Battle. As promised, here's a special announcement. My new co-host for all the fight previews on Half the Battle is no other than Sean Carey Tattoo. I'm so stoked to welcome Sean to Half the Battle. So starting with UFC Mexico, you already know the deal. He's going to be here with me side by side. And uh, I can already tell you we're going to be disagreeing big time on a couple of these bets for UFC Mexico. I can, uh, I can tell you that firsthand. So I cannot wait. To welcome Sean to the show, this is uh, this is just huge for me, man. I'm super stoked. Thanks again for checking out Half the Battle. Make sure you follow me on Twitter, at BestFightPicks. Go to BestFightPicks.com for the plays. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. And guys, let's keep these five-star reviews coming, the YouTube subscriptions, the positive feedback. I really appreciate it. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.